Welcome to the SSI Orbit Podcast, a forum for conversations that explore the ever-growing ecosystems of self-sovereign identity. And I'm your host, that's your note. One of kind of the earliest um, projects that a lot of, or dreams, let's say, that a lot of the people behind Ethereum wanted to create from the start was these DAOs, like, right, these decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, and for any listeners looking for um, a little more information or context around DAOs, you, you'll get some in this conversation, I'm sure. Um, there's also a prior conversation with Stefan that was done, I think it was episode 16 um, of SSI Orbit. Um, but yeah, if you're looking to learn more about uh, DAOs. And so um, while DAOs have existed, I guess, in Ethereum since 2016 or so, um, they were kind of early R&D experiments or more of like science projects rather than real world projects. But it seems like in 2021, the last year that just ended, there was kind of a breakout moment for DAOs um, where, you know, there, there are now after 2021, hundreds of DAOs that see daily activity from their members, the hundreds of DAOs that pay to their members, that build products, that vote on the use of shared funds. Um, and I just pulled this, number this morning that collectively DAOs on Ethereum govern assets worth more than $16 billion uh, today, which I'm, I'm certain if we do this conversation at this same time next year in 2023, mid-January, um, I would not be surprised if that number was a multitude uh, higher than that. Um, There's one DAO in particular, more of a recent DAO, the Ethereum name service, uh, ENS, that saw breakout growth growing to hundreds of thousands of users. You may see if you're active on Twitter or um, I think you and I, Stefan, are both quite active in crypto Twitter, at least follow a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have this .eth um, kind of tag uh, beside their name. This means that they own uh, an Ethereum name service. So there's hundreds of thousands of users, hundreds of integrations, and they've uh, more recently created a new treasury for their DAO of $1.9 billion dollars to continue funding of, of the ecosystem. Um, so hopefully that gives just an overview for everyone on kind of where we are today with DAOs. Um, this discussion is more gonna be anchored towards the future of work and how the future of work um, will be shaped uh, perhaps by involvement in a DAO or multiple DAOs. Um, it seems like there's two distinct communities right now. There's uh, obviously you have different crypto communities based on um, the coin they're shilling or just the project that, that they're a part of. There's also uh, communities in the digital identity or decentralized identity space. Both are kind of working towards identity stuff. Um, so I guess based on the fact that you've, you know, you're very knowledgeable on both sides of things and you've done projects on both sides of things, um, where do you see perhaps opportunities to apply the self-sovereign identity principles or frameworks towards the Web3? space yeah so um i agree with the sentiment um, that DAOs are on the rise so decentralized autonomous organization this is still quite a vague concept and i would actually argue that DAOs existed the first proto DAOs existed even before ethereum i would say that bitcoin was the first DAO. it is a decentralized system that is governed by the protocol rules that has no single uh, person or organization that owns and controls it, and that has a, a, a programmable way of uh, implementing changes into itself through forking or updating its code. And then this organization actually rewards its contributors like miners uh, or users or application developers to contribute meaningful work uh, to grow the whole network. And um, it's been 12 years since uh, Bitcoin launched. Um, now, obviously, DAOs evolved a lot and we had a lot of experimentation. So there was the first the DAO that failed. Uh, I think it failed not because uh, the concept of decentralized organization was wrong, but because uh, there was a bug in the code. And back then, there was just no concept of code audit, smart contract auditing in, in Ethereum. And, and that was one of the lessons uh, learned that you actually need to audit your code. Uh, kind of sounds obvious in retrospective, but uh, well, um, we learn uh, as, as we do mistakes. 
Um, and uh, today, in the last couple of years, the concept of DAOs, first of all, it grew substantially. So from a couple dozens of DAOs, today we have thousands of DAOs, I would say more than 10,000. And I see at least uh, a few more created every day. Uh, and um, probably we will see hundreds and even thousands of DAOs created every day um, sometime in the future, just because this is such a powerful form of organization that um, it is not universal. You cannot run a nuclear uh, energy station with the DAO. Uh, maybe it probably doesn't make sense to, 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 to govern it as decentralized, in a decentralized uh, way. But in a lot of uh, web free and decentralized use cases, DAO is the best organizational form because it uh, gives control and ownership to contributors, to the community. It allows people to organize around shared mission or shared culture. Um, some DAOs might not even have a specific product. Like for example, Friends with Benefits, one of the most successful DAOs, they started as just community, gated community. So they have a token, you need to buy the token to get into the community. But because they were so rigorous about maintaining culture and about making sure that there's stuff to do once you're inside, making sure uh, ensuring the quality of the community. Uh, they became popular and today they have a lot of, um, they organize events, conferences, they build software and um, this organization kind of evolved and uh, projects just emerge uh, as organization move. Um, and then if we think about self-sovereign identity uh, principles, um, I think crypto web three and SSI were always interconnected. Uh, although even though they, they, they might be uh, applied to different industries or different problems, there's a lot of shared principles. It is about decentralization, it is about ownership, about control, about privacy, about um, um, maybe pseudonymity. And um, in decentralized identity um, or self, I, I, I see that most um, the growth of decentralized identity is happening much, much faster in Web3 than it is in other traditional use cases. Uh, I, I, I don't say that Web3 is the only way uh, or the only form how decentralized identity will evolve, but today we see much more traction. And one of the reasons is because, uh, because of the narrative and because uh, there's um, much more alignment of incentives to create decentralized identity specifically in, in DAOs or in Web3 world. So you mentioned the example of Ethereum name service. They have hundreds of thousands of customers and, and, and uh, a lot of people who use their um, ENS, which is just another form of digital identity, uh, digital pseudonymous decentralized identity. A lot of people use it publicly on Twitter or other social media. And that's something which actually don't see with DIDs, happening with DIDs yet. Uh, and I think part, um, partly that is due to the fact that um, people um, just share this culture and, 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 and they buy into the story that ENS is, 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 is telling them. Um, it, it is um, different technological solutions. So it, it, it is different from decentralized identifier, identifiers, but uh, it is achieving the same goal. Uh, it allows people to own and control decentralized identity where they can attach different attributes to, they can um, sign into different services, they can um, uh, engage into peer-to-peer -peer conversations and just build reputation on top of that pseudonymous identity. And um, I, I, I think as more applications um, for decentralized identity are being developed, there will be more and more uh, merge between the two, between uh, we can say this like kind of pure SSI vision and, and, and more like Web3 um, uh, blockchain driven vision. It is not at the end of the day, it is not about technology that powers it, it is about the value that customers get out of it. And um, it, it's, it's, it's not as important which uh, technology will provide it uh, as long as it is. Um, as long as it is valuable and it also complies with some of the core principles like privacy preservation and, and universal interoperability, um, things that we want to get from 
decentralized identity. And also another reason why this adoption is happening faster is because um, in Web3, uh, decentralized autonomous organizations are able to build new institutions. Whereas in more traditional uh, industries, maybe finance or education, uh, any SSI company is actually forced to adapt and comply with existing institutions that were created for offline world or for more centralized digital world. So for example, um, I've been working on building, uh, um, uh, applying self-sovereign identity and verifiable credentials for higher ed credentialing system and working with universities. And universities are very conservative organizations. Um, so they really, the main benefit that they see from, or at least four, four years ago that they saw from verifiable credentials was just digitizing their existing process. So now students can get digital diploma, which is good, uh, but it is not um, actually showing the full power of self-sovereign identity. You can achieve the same result. You can build digital diplomas with PDF or um, uh, I don't know, XML. Uh, there's a lot of technology to create digital documents. Verifiable credential is not unique here. Um, and in DAOs, for example, uh, what we do is decentralized um, autonomous organization, they do not rely on LinkedIn profiles. They do not rely on CVs. They do not rely on uh, uh, university diplomas when they hire or onboard or assess new contributors. So they need alternative institutions to do competency assessment to measure and uh, to do credentialing, to measure skills, to measure competencies, to uh, just uh, coordinate their workforce uh, and their contributors around some of the problems that they need to solve. Um, so yeah, so, so this is just one of the examples, but I think generally uh, in Web3 and in decentralized autonomous organizations, there's much more freedom uh, to build new kind of institutions, new processes, and uh, companies, um, um, innovators are not constrained by existing rules that usually were created in pre-internet era. So, um, so that creates more experiments and that creates more innovation. The fact that you have composability of not only software, but composability of data, composability of ideas um, is um, what um, is probably one of the main driving forces behind the, uh, the rapid kind of innovation and iterations that we see in the Web3 space. The, the .eth, so that these ends domain, it's, it's interesting to me because um, you, you see them, like I mentioned earlier, a lot on like Twitter profiles. And so I think talked about this in the past. There's, it's funny if you look at Twitter profiles right now, there's a lot of just at something because people are kind of associating themselves with a clan or a group or something like that, right? Um, and when, when people are using this .eth in their name, you kind of know, hey, we're part of the same team, uh, part of the same thing. We have the same values and beliefs and stuff like that. Um, and the .eth is, it's, it's kind of like a URL, right? That's just ra rather than me. And it adds kind of better user experience to, to the crypto space if I'm trying to interact with you or, uh, I don't know, to do a query to see what you're up to on Ethereum or if I'm looking to send some tokens to you, for example, it's much easier for me to send it to your kind of this URL or this .eth name rather than just um, some uh, uh, composition of letters and numbers which forms your, uh, your public key. Um, so I, I get that. Um, I guess one difference I would see between kind of these domain names and like a, a DID would be one's public and one's private or the DID could be public or private. So there's maybe some use cases for kind of the .eth that um, aren't, necessarily as powerful as they would be if you had a private did. Um, just for example, like um, I, I could send anything to a .eth domain, right? Like I could go to a Twitter account, I could see, and I, I could send them something that could compromise them. <laughs> I could send anything to them, it's public, right? So it's, so it's kind of like a, a comparison to that would be email, like an email address. If I have your email address, I could send anything to you. Um, and what's funny about the, 
this this domain, this ETH domain, is that if I send something there, well, if it, if I send like a nude a nude picture, for example, of, of someone to this, you're now holding this, and if you want to get rid of it, you're going to have to pay uh, I don't know how much in gas fees to to get it out of there, right? And it's publicly viewable. And that's I guess so it's kind of like email, but email no one has access to your email other than you and your email provider, but uh, other than you. Um, whereas this is publicly viewable by anyone. So I'm wondering if there are like specific use cases that are very powerful for this type of, because it's a type of identifier, right? Are there use cases that are more powerful for this type of identifier versus perhaps um, a decentralized identifier that's private and perhaps rotates and stays with you? Um, do, do you see a, kind of the difference between both of them and maybe some use cases or advantages that people could use on both of the properties that they have? These two uh, solutions, uh, Ethereum naming system and decentralized identifiers, they are not competing with each other. Those are solving very different uh, problems. And you, you use naming system for something that you want to, be, to make public and something you, you want to be discoverable by other people. So you can actually link one to, to another to, uh, to create more uh, sophisticated systems. Um, and um, I'm actually pretty sure that this is exactly where this will go in the future. So the development of decentralized identity will uh, go into direction where we will combine um, SSI technologies, decentralized identifiers primarily, with um, tools from Web3, such as NFTs, if you want to make a credential public and, and publicly discoverable and Ethereum naming system and not just Ethereum naming system because we have multiple blockchains, multiple ecosystems. The future seems to be uh, quite uh, multi-chain. So uh, ENS doesn't solve this problem of universal identifier. We need some abstraction layer on top of that, uh, which DID seems like a perfect uh, solution for that uh, would uh, encompass multiple on-chain and, and off-chain identities. So you can have a single DID through which you control Ethereum account and, I don't know, uh, Polkadot and uh, Cosmos and, and Near Protocol and whatever else blockchain you're using, as well as maybe government-issued data, verifiable credentials uh, and, and um, Web2 accounts. So it is not a... Um, a competing solution, uh, and and uh, I I don't think it will it will it will it will be a competing solution. However, combining these two, especially so you mentioned these two um, kind of benefits uh, or perceived benefits from uh, Ethereum naming system. One is just ability to publicly discover what other people have, and that is pure technological uh, goal of, of this system. But another one, which is very very important, is cultural aspect. And um, for example, NFTs are quite bad. Uh, it, it's quite bad technology, frankly, for um, credentialing. For to 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 you you won't mint your house records as NFTs. It just doesn't make sense. But NFTs are very easy thing to explain, and it has it's, it just became part of the culture. NFTs are much much wider known concept than uh, verifiable credentials, for example. Therefore, um, um, I, I see a lot of companies, a lot of startups, a lot of uh, decentralized autonomous organizations using concept of NFTs, or some, some people call them non-transferable or private NFTs, uh, basically because they just never heard about verifiable credentials. And at some point, they will learn that there's already a solution for that. And uh, I, think, I think the more uh, elegant solution would be that you have your DID through the DID, you control your private um, decentralized storage, uh, something like uh, uh, using IPFS or Filecoin or Ceramic Network, where you have your um, data pod. In that data pod, you have credentials, you have data from multiple applications, you have your, I don't know, preferences, um, any, any kind of, 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 of data. And then for some of that, some of that you choose to keep private like healthcare records. Some of that you choose to share with certain people or certain applications. Maybe my shopping history, I want to share it with e-commerce website or marketplace. And then some of those you mint NFTs out of that and, 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 and maybe rewards or, or, or some, I don't know, um, 
I attended the conference. I received this uh, uh, commendation from, from, from somebody. That is something that I just want to share, or maybe my, I don't know, link to my Twitter account. I, I just want to share it publicly because, um, well, because I have some reasons to do, to do so. Um, and um, um, because it is not a competing, because those two are not competing approaches or solutions, um, it, it does make sense to combine and build some kind of hybrid, uh, hybrid solution out of it. Um, and that's uh, actually exactly what we try to do with the professional reputation system. Um, uh, because, um, yeah, so, so, so we're building this professional reputation solution for decentralized autonomous organizations where people can track their skills, their contribution, when they work with different DAOs. And uh, um, uh, we want that data to remain public, to follow the SSI principles, but at the same time to give ability to uh, mint NFT out of it. Well, one one of the um, the things that you can't do with a verifiable credential, sorry, d d depends what what standard you're following, but um, often there's non-transferability of credentials. I know there are like in W3C credential spec that. You kind of you can do that, but in a lot in a lot of implementations, um, in in the hyperledger Aries world and indie world, you can't uh, transfer these. Whereas an NFT uh, is completely transferable, right? So you, you're thinking about like you won't put a house record, it's your record on an NFT, but perhaps the asset itself, the house, who knows, could could, could be that because the ownership of that could be transferable. Um, the publicly discoverable. Uh, aspect of it is quite interesting as well. Um, one of the biggest problems um, we've been kind of thinking about in the digital credential or self-sovereign identity space is the whole concept of doing decentralized discovery. That if, if I have a couple networks that are operating and perhaps there's a credential issuer on another network, or perhaps uh, you could do some form of matching between two entities on different networks because there's value in doing that. How could people discover each other. Um, and is, is that where kind of using a, a blockchain perhaps or storing data on in a centralized place, but on a decentralized kind of network, but on a blockchain would help with discovery? Or um, um, it seems like that's a similar problem in the Web3 space and in the SSI space. Is how do you um, enable discoverability between two entities without putting a central authority in the middle. Yeah, so this is a perfect uh, problem that can be solved through decentralized technology. And um, there's not a lot of really production and, 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 and popular solutions, but uh, it, it seems like uh, making the system decentralized and permissionless is, 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 is a good start, but it wouldn't work for all use cases. So. For example, for COVID credentials, we don't, or I don't believe there would be a fully decentralized, fully permissionless registry of issuers um, because that is a highly sensitive area. There's a lot of compliance. There's a lot of government or regulatory requirements. Um, on the other hand, in uh, areas like uh, professional credentialing and professional reputation, it's actually beneficial to help to have to 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 make the system decentralized. So I imagine this uh, to be um, to look like a. Um, um, so first of all, what are the benefits of, of, of using blockchain here? First, you get uh, if you build a tokenomics or just uh, engineer economic principles into the system. It doesn't need to use cryptocurrency, but um, I think that's just the easiest way to do it. Um, you can set up incentives for data issuers, for data curators, for taxonomy, data taxonomy editors, um, uh, issuer registry cur curators to uh, make this data more valuable to the verifiers. And then as it is usually in SSI systems, verifiers are the one who are paying to access the data. So if it is professional data, maybe HR agency or employer or somebody looking for to hire a freelancer or somebody 
uh, I don't know, investor looking to, 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 to check founder profile or vice versa, uh, the verifier would pay to access this data. Uh, but um, then um, they would also enjoy the benefits of uh, this data being uh, curated and tailored to, to, to well, first, first, first of all, curated. So we want to allow anybody when we, uh, um, and I'm talking about specifically professional identity here, when we design professional identity system, we want anybody to be able to write um, uh, data uh, as long as uh, holder agrees to and accepts those credentials. But then on top of that, we need these decentralized curation and taxonomy mechanisms so that data that is not useful to the verifiers is not prioritized or it, it is weighted much, low, much lower or it is just hidden from the, uh, from, from the results. So this way we can create a system that is similar to LinkedIn in terms of its features uh, that has verifiability for each piece of data. And uh, it, um, uh, it, is, it, is, it is queryable by verifiers as long as again, holders agree to share this information. So it's always up to the holder to share or not share uh, some piece of data. Um, and um, um, we can also design the tokenomics of, of, of such a system in a way that curators are compensated. Um, maybe another or more specific example would be um, designing a skilled taxonomy system and, and um, schema and data model uh, system. So for professional credentialing, there's a lot of different occupations, a lot of different skills and all existing taxonomies for skills, they're centralized. Um, they usually run by, uh, created by the governments or some consortium of, of universities or maybe World Bank. And the problem with those systems is that because they are centralized and they're populated manu manually by single organization, they're quite slow to reflect the changes in real economy. Uh, especially today, the economy is moving so much faster, there's new types of work, there's new skills, there's new organizations created every day and centralized uh, registry of all um, or taxonomy of all skills cannot reflect it timely. Like we need most uh, decentralized autonomous organizations need to hire people with skills that do not exist in those, um, in, in those taxonomies because it, they were created in the last few years. Um, if we decentralize the system, we're able to um, keep track of those uh, changes quite fast in real time because uh, organizations, employers are able to directly input their data, what they're looking for that is being reflected in the taxonomy, then holders can see what is possible, like um, what can I learn, what skills are required in the economy today, how much uh, am I being paid for that? Uh, they can go learn and prove th that they have those skills and then they can um, complete projects without uh, receive credentials and verification that they own those skills and then um, build up their profile to make it just stronger and and, 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 and get more interesting projects. So in, in this case, the credentials are, are they kind of uh, on the edge? They're user controlled? Um, they could be shared through this, I guess, this protocol that allows for, for discoverability um, and, and verification, but are they still, are they in the form of a verifiable credential or a piece of data that's just sitting on the edge and its ownership? Um, well, either its ownership could be proved to be yours if it's user generated or its provenance could be proven if it has been issued to you by, by someone, is that the idea? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm talking about very specific example. That's something that we built at DeepSkills. And this is an open uh, professional identity protocol. And the idea here is that there's already a bunch of, uh, I know at least 40 different professional uh, credentialing and professional identity and professional reputation protocols in Web3. Some things issue NFTs. Some of those uh, maybe parse your GitHub profile and algorithmically create your score. Some of those look at your compensation, your contribution to different DAOs. Some of those look at your peer-to-peer -peer assessment and relationships. Some of them assess soft skills or hard skills or engineering skills or designer skills. 
And um, uh, the missing piece that we are trying to solve with uh, there is to actually add some kind of generalization or unification layer on top, because there's a lot of data sources. Like traditionally, in a lot of SSI use cases that I've seen, uh, one of the largest problems used to be that um, you don't have enough data. Issuance is hard. It's hard to convince issuers to share data to the network. Um, maybe if it's government, it's easier, but if it's uh, enterprises, it's quite hard because they don't see immediate value that they get out of it. In decentralized world, in decentralized networks, it's easier. If it's on-chain data, it is publicly available already today and you don't need to ask anybody. So for example, there's this proof of attendance protocol. Uh, it's kind of like a badge uh, in, in the form of NFT that people receive for attending conferences or participating in hackathons or uh, doing projects. And uh, last time I checked, uh, they had 700,000 co-ops issued to, 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 to people. So that's uh, already quite large database of credentials that can be used as one of the data sources. So those NFTs are stored on chain uh, and, and that is um, potentially one of the problems with, with them is that yes, you cannot hide it. You can, you can never delete anything from blockchain. Actually, most likely those NFTs will remain on chain uh, for many, many years, long after uh, people who own them will die, just because, uh, um, well, that's, that's, that's how blockchain operates. Um, it, is, it is immutable. But um, uh, the, uh, uh, the solution of, of unification, it, we're actually using something called ceramic network, which is uh, like authorization layer on top of IPFS. And the ceramic network comes with DID built in. So how it works, you as a holder, you come in, you create your DID or you sign in with existing DID. Then you have your personal data space uh, or data pod where all this data is being saved to. So you control what do you want to record. And then you, and then you set up uh, or control what do you want to actually make public. Uh, it is um, very similar to verifiable credentials. I, can't say that it's exactly compliant to the spec, but again, I think verifiable credentials is not the very the most important piece of, of this technology. Things like DAD and issue registries and, and issue holder verifier communication, that is much more important in the SSI concept. Verifiable credentials is just a form of um, signed date. It, it was an interesting comment you made, Stefan, about um just in, in the physical world that is tough to convince issuers you're right because it's just a whole different business model trying to convince mm -hmm. a bank to issue verified banking or uh, proof of uh, asset ownership uh, type of credentials to uh, to people so it could be used outside of their four walls is uh, not a uh, there's no winning argument yet to, to, to make them want to even consider doing that um, and even in kind of the the offline world or the physical world there are a lot of like these proxy issuance solutions, even when just if we stick on the verified banking, for example, there's, there's companies that scrape data out of your banking account and are able to organize it in a data format. Um, same thing is done with government IDs. They're, they're all able to do it with enough kind of assurance that um, people will, the verifier or relying party, I guess, will pay for that data. But it's quite interesting in, in the Web3 space your comment of there's already a lot of these, there's a lot of issuance that's just done and done publicly. And um, uh, there's a lot of these proxy issuances that are that are just done uh, anyways. You're not relying on anyone to come in um, and, and issue data necessarily. Um, and probably a lot of it could be automated, right? If you're just taking like GitHub commits or if you're just taking contributions to DAOs or NFTs, you have a lot of it could be automated by this uh, this protocol that you're referring to. And sounds like a good idea to focus on one specific use case, because if you're trying to generalize this concept, it would be even, even harder. Um, and I'm sure the work going behind creating a taxonomy is, is not, not simple stuff to, to get right anyways. Um, do, you, do you have a problem with this? Do you foresee a problem where, because like in, let's call it the offline world today, and if we, if we start talking about kind of the, the recruiting process now for an employer or for a job and start talking about HR, because this is basically 
what what you're discussing here that that you're building is it's one of its main customers is kind of whoever is handling recruiting for a DAO or for 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 one of these projects. Um, in the physical or the offline world, I guess it's it could go both ways. So sometimes it's tough to lie about your history if if you were let's say I committed a fraud uh, in, in a previous uh, job, I might have a tough time getting getting around that. Maybe I could just not even talk about it and, and get a job anyways and just commit another fraud. Um, is, is that kind of a, is that a similar problem that would exist in this digitally native method? Like, would it be easy enough for me if even if I gained a bad reputation or I did whatever could, could i just be selective about what i choose to share and, and not to share and and just get by anyways like is, is that a problem that is likely to be faced or it's it's not even something to think about um i think it's a fair problem but i don't think uh, we're at the stage where this is really the main problem to solve right now and uh i've heard about a few potential approaches to solve it using zero knowledge computation so basically you can prove the fact that you shared all the enforcement credentials in your profile without revealing all of them, um, something like inclusion proofs. And then there's a lot of fancy cryptography that can be applied to make sure that it is privacy preserving and your reputation is complete. And also if you, uh, a lot of people in DAOs, they use pseudonyms, uh, pseudonyms and, 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 and pseudonyms reputation. Uh, so you can basically go and start from scratch uh, if, 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 if you want, but, uh, you will need to build all that from, 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 from zero and, and it, it will take time. Um, I think it's, it's very, there's a lot of benefits to start this journey from web three and from DAOs specifically. Um, so, um, our goal, what we want to achieve, we want to create the future of work. And uh, we believe that it will be changing uh, the nature of work and, and, and especially the nature of recruitment and uh, HR is changing dramatically. Uh, there's a lot of area, a lot of forces in play. Some of those are technology driven like Web3, blockchain, crypto. Some of those are just exist like pandemic and, and work from home and, and, and this uh, shift, uh, shift in terms of uh, where people work with home. So DAO is, is very interesting in this sense because it allows people to combine the culture of freelance working where you choose when to work on, uh, uh, what to work on with whom. Um, and uh, you basically, you are your own boss and, and you choose what to do and, 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 and you choose interesting tasks with uh, the benefits of organization where a lot of people can collaborate and focus on hard problems to achieve uh, great results. Uh, so DAOs are these kind of cooperatives or, or, or group chats with bank account that um, um, actually, that's one of the reasons. And I think that is the main reason DAOs have become so much popular uh, in the global IT talent shortage that we see today. So it's quite hard to find good engineer uh, because there's much more demand. In DAOs, the problem is exactly the opposite. Uh, we work with a lot of top largest DAOs out there and uh, we hear the same problem from all of them. It is there's too many people uh, in our Discord server that are looking for something to do and we just don't have capacity to um, structure that onboarding and structure work because in DAOs you don't have management, you don't have hierarchies, um, and um, it is complicated. It, it is uh, coordination is hard, and sometimes it gets chaotic, and that's one of the reasons why this reputation system, professional reputation system, is important so that people can self-organize, people can figure out what are the projects, where I can contribute, how much I'm getting paid for it, how the compensation works, uh, what are skills and, and values and uh, uh, knowledge of other people in the organization or across multiple DAOs. So you can come to one DAO, you can work on something, receive the skill credential, go to another DAO, prove that you already have it. And you can use the same data for, for example, to create meritocratic voting where decision-making is done 
through democratic uh, uh, mechanism, but it is also weighted based on reputation or maybe even reputation specific domain. So if it's a technical decision, people with engineering background, uh, their decision is, is, is more, uh, they vote is more important or weights more than uh, everybody else uh, because that would result in the better quality of decisions. And in the end of the day, um, um, it, it would benefit the whole organization. Um, so um, we wanted specifically to start with decentralized autonomous organizations because that's where the problem is acute, where existing solutions do not work. So no DAO is using LinkedIn or CV or traditional HR practices. And it turns out that um, this space is growing so much faster and there's so much demand for, 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 for this kind of tools that I believe that actually in DAOs, uh, we will, through rapid experimentations, through many, many experiment, experiments running at the same time, and through this composability of different protocols and applications and data, we will figure out this new um, system for uh, uh, what we call future of work how that looks like, where work is voluntary, where you do stuff that you really find meaningful yourself, where you are fairly compensated, where everybody who contributes to the organization is owner, kind of like in cooperative. Uh, in the same time, there's some programmable algorithmic and transparent governance system around it, um, something that we didn't have back when uh, uh, um, cooperatives were invented, for example and where um, this uh, decentralized digital identity is in, in, in the center. So, so decentralized identity is actually one of the biggest, largest missing pieces and unsolved problems in Web3 uh, from the whole stack. So we now have uh, a lot of finance and liquidity tools. We have NFTs, we have a lot of blockchains, we have wallets, we have um, uh, UX is, is getting there, but identities, is still unsolved and it is it is amazing opportunity and it is important to solve it because we need to be prepared for uh, i think there will be a uh, thousand percent or uh, uh, magnitudes more uh, decentralized organizations created in the coming years and uh, a lot of people who think about starting a company or starting an organization today um, when i talk to them a lot of them are seriously considering starting intel which wasn't the case just a few years ago because it was still um, the technology wasn't there and, and also the best practices and the organizational design practices and governance practices were still too too early and now I think the um, uh, just great momentum uh, towards towards that direction. There was an article that I saw like a, some trending article this morning. I think it was a business insider thing. Um, that I, I wrote it down because um, it was so tightly linked to what we're talking about here. But this this Business Insider article just said workers, this is kind of talking about uh, living through the pandemic and trying to work and stuff like that. Now, workers aren't just quitting their jobs. Many employees are delusioned with the way that their companies are mishandling the new realities of work. They no longer feel able or motivated to devote themselves to their jobs the way they did before the pandemic. And so I guess if, if you say the future of work is purpose-driven, uh, people are, are kind of losing their purpose a little bit uh, right now or their sense of purpose in, in their jobs that they're doing. And I, I guess one of, one of the big differentiators with the DAO is if it's open, um, sure, we have to solve the problem of, um, I need to provide the right professional ID credentials to and the DAO needs to be able to structure their uh, onboarding process in a good way that it could keep scaling without too much kind of intervention or, ma or manual intervention. Um, but as uh, someone just looking to join a cause, to join a community, to feel passionate and, and happy about uh, the work that you're doing, um, it gives you a better way as a worker looking for work to kind of um, do your due diligence on an organization, right? Because I could look at a DAO and I, I could perhaps see kind of um, underneath what is happening. Whereas um, if I'm joining a corporation today, I honestly have no clue other than just whatever the the public image is for, for this company or some folks I talk to. But 
the, the real ethos of it and everything that's going on. I can't see until, until I join um, the, this company. Then if I, if I move towards just governance, um, to participate in decentralized governance of, of a DAO, do you think it's going to start evolving more where there's maybe more rules? It's more of a rule base based on the credentials or the professional ID you have that you'll have different kind of rights and privileges based on that to participate in governance or to do certain things in the DAO. How do you see that kind of evolving from just a, everyone that has a token has the same vote or the same power, which could be very valuable for certain use cases, but perhaps for others, you want to have um, a little bit more of a rule set. Yeah, so this is um, still um, big and, 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 and largely open area for innovation. So even today, we see a lot of governance mechanisms that are not just one token, one vote. We have we see quadratic voting where uh, it is much more fair uh, towards a minority with strong opinions and then and, and somebody who owns 51% stake in, in the organization cannot single-handedly make any decisions. Uh, we see reputation-weighted voting systems like Colony, for example, and they have this interesting concept about decaying reputation. Uh, we see um, um, badges and credentials and NFTs that give people roles uh, and, or, or, or award them for their pre previous contribution. So this space is becoming uh, much more advanced. Um, and I also very much agree, and, and this uh, resonates with me a lot, uh, the, the fact that uh, um, DAOs are all about purpose and community first. Uh, and then second comes the, 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 the organizational goals. So there's some, in every DAO today, there's some sort of centralization, there's some sort of alignment and then coordination. It is not just complete chaos and anarchy, otherwise nothing will be done. Um, but it is open. And uh, um, also our vision is we want to build open source organizations so that organizational processes and best practices and uh, definition of work and definition for different roles can be forked and reused by different organizations. And that's just happening a lot in DAOs. Like in, when, you, when you create a, just a private company, it basically is closed source. So unless you hire somebody, they don't know what's happening inside, as you said. Uh, they also your your processes. You need to set up them from 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 the ground up. Yes, you can learn from best practices, but you cannot just copy and paste maybe a, a governance smart contract or or existing definition for 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 some roles or Discord bot or um, uh, some kind of treasury management software. Um, in, in, in Web3, in DAOs, all of that is open source. Um, people are happy to share. And even within a single DAO, you can have competition. So it is not like uh, you don't need to ask anybody's permission. There's a lot of actually, yeah, uh, many, many examples of people uh, building something within a DAO that they just thought it would be a good idea. They write a proposal, they get funding from DAO treasury, and then some experiments fail, but some of those are becoming successful, um, very successful applications. For example, Coordinate uh, at your own finance. It started as an internal project, and now it is a tool that, use, that is used for compensation management uh, at many, many DAOs. And, and uh, it's actually quite interesting how it works. Instead of having a monthly salary, uh, people have uh, get 100 tokens at the end of the month in their small group, and they can give those tokens, and those are called gift tokens, they can give it to other people to uh, basically answer the question who, in their opinion, contributed the most to uh, overall organizational goal or the goal of the smaller team. And that creates this meritocratic compensation mechanism where your salary is not predefined and people who are, it's not, and it's also not a popularity contest. Uh, so you, you, um, you're getting paid for actual value created, not for being active or just being there and and, and like being on the contract and 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 receiving your your payment. Um, so today, um, DAOs and governance uh, in DAOs um, is it requires a lot of uh, initiative. It is uh, leadership leadership is emergent. It is actually expected from contributors that they come up with their own tasks 
and th things to do themselves, which is which doesn't work for all people. Um, but it is actually quite a good approach for the current stage of the industry where we need to innovate a lot, where we need to create these practices. And then later on, as DAOs becoming larger and more mature, uh, tools like Deep Skills we help uh, existing DAOs to actually structure the work so that uh, more contributors can come and see already predefined uh, rules regarding what they need to do and and, and how 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 much are they getting paid and then um, basically how 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 the process works uh, inside the organization. Um, so so yeah so so governance is 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 important piece and there's a lot of innovation happening in it. But governance is not the only purpose of the DAO. It used to be like that. Um, just one and a half year ago, most DAOs, their only function and feature was you can have a token and you can vote with this token for some decision. Today, it's not true. Today, if you, if you create a DAO and there's nothing except just token voting, it will be considered just a scam because um, there's no value produced. There's no work being done. It's just like a... Um, um, uh, like a wrapper for a centralized organization that doesn't really do anything. And I think the most value in DAOs is not in uh, this um, being uh, trying to look decentralized. It's actually in decentralizing work. And uh, decentralized work is beneficial both to uh, organizational goal, because you actually attract people who share your, your vision and, and, and your purpose and your mission, and for the people who are contributors, because now they have freedom to work on what they feel is important for them, own the result of their work, so people get full ownership, uh, because you can choose to receive salary or part of your salary, part of your compensation in tokens, which is similar as, as equity, uh, so basically, everybody has an option uh, in, in DAO. And, um, and I think at the end of the day, it's not even... And also, uh, generally on average, compensation in DAOs today is larger than in corporations. I, some people are making up to uh, millions of dollars per year, of course, with option rules and benefits and bonuses, and then those are early joiners. But, but, um, but that's, that's significant for just engineer, for example. But at the end of the day, I think it is not about uh, compensation, not about tokens. It is about this ability to uh, live up to the most of your potential. If you join the team uh, that you share values with and you have ability to work, to work towards you feel as purpose and you just find meaningful and important, I think in that circumstances, people are the most productive, at least uh, me personally. I was reading something over the holidays that was uh, talking about um, just kind of the top contributors to Wikipedia and, and just what, what drives them to do this. And there was a story of uh, one one of the largest contributors is um, he, he works at, I don't know if it's the US-Canada border, but he's a border agency, full-time job, but on evenings and weekends, he just loves contributing and has, has contributed to tens of thousands of, of pages on Wikipedia. So it's, it's something that this person in particular is super passionate about. Um, it's something that both kind of Wikipedia foundation and value creation, and then just the, the value that the whole world gets from it, people have gained tremendously from, the, from it. So it just shows you the impact of just some kind of passion work, even if it's a part-time thing. I totally agree with your point. You could be doing something five hours a week, but if you're super passionate about it, the quality and the effort that you're going to put into it um, is going to be larger than uh, than something you may be spending 40 hours doing per week. Um, and it seems like the, the community is the value, right, uh, in, in, in a DAO. Um, um, is, so for kind of this this protocol so there's we've been talking a little bit about how it could be used to to onboard and that's a complex thing on its own but when we talked a little bit about kind of what the um um that there's maybe maybe not the case in in the digital world but i'm sure there's still always kind of a lack of credentials that are available out there today is the second part beyond helping the verifications happen is the second part of this protocol to actually create more of a supply of credentials that, that exist in there for future DAOs that, that could be reused? Um, and if so, how, how how do you envision that working? Is it a, a DAO 
a DAO's activity would result in an issuance of new credentials through the system. And then kind of the second part to this question is you, you mentioned a bit earlier that, um, so there's obviously no centralized like form of management or hierarchy in, in, in a DAO. Um, there is a need for different types of skill sets or different types of roles. So um, is that something that would be handled within kind of this taxonomy that could be re reused by others? And then are there, um, how do you look at kind of different types of credentials for different types of roles? Like what would be some of these new types of credentials that become available that are web native? So forget the the diploma and forget the, uh, the LinkedIn stuff. Like what are some of these, if you could maybe give, um, kind of a flavor of what what some of these new types of credentials are that have a lot of value um, for DAOs. Um, that would be that'd be helpful. Yeah, so I can uh, I can just share how it works uh, at Deep Skills and how we approach this because there's actually many uh, applications and protocols that approach the same problem from very different angles. And uh, because all of them are open, I actually see no problem of combining all of that into single more, more comprehensive profile. But for now, um, um, it's still mostly early, early stage for, 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 for most applications. So what we do, uh, we start working with the DAO. Uh, for example, Aragon DAO is, is one of our clients. We have a workshop with them and we try to, and we help them to define specific roles and uh, projects that those uh, people work on and tasks that those projects consist of. So for example, in Aragon, there's a technical support role. You need to answer technical support queries. It's not something super that requires uh, a lot of uh, uh, background and training, but it is a very specific role that uh, um, that well, it, it requires some skills and some knowledge. Um, another example would be DeepWork Studio, uh, where we first tested it. And uh, DeepWork, there's different. Uh, it's it's a design studio, and then there's different roles like user researcher or designer or workshop facilitator or art director. So for each of those roles, it is defined into. Uh, very granular tasks. So if you're a workshop facilitator, first you need to set up time for the workshop, then you need to prepare a mirror board, then you need to set up a Zoom call, set up uh, background music, um, ask questions, uh, compile results, create a presentation afterwards, share this presentation, receive feedback. So the whole process of, of doing that, that, that specific uh, type of work. So first, what we do, we split it, we just write it down in the form of Gitbook so that every task is well-defined, what it is, how you can get it, what uh, constitutes for completion of that task, um, how it is verified, what is the evidence, and so on. Then in DeepSkills app, um, any DAO can create their own projects and their own tasks, and uh, we can we help to, to onboard them to do it. Uh, and, then, uh, and then they can open this project. So one value, uh, one benefit that DAOs have that traditional organizations don't have is that you can attract community to help you do your job. So for Aragon, yes, they, they have this problem. They need to do more technical support that they're able to. So, and in their Discord, they have, I don't know, five or 10,000 people. Uh, many of whom are interested in con contributing and getting paid for this work. So people join, they, they, they join the, this project, they follow the instruction, they complete the work. If the work is good, they're getting paid. And also along with the payment credentials issued to their uh, digital identity so that now they can uh, either work for more projects for the same DAO, or work for other DAO, or maybe work for multiple DAOs in the same time if it's not if it's not a full time role. And um, every time they complete the project, their skill increases so that you can and then and then you can see who has competency in what. And also, people are able to choose some skills that they don't have, but they're willing to use, and they are looking for mentors, for example, from existing contributors, so that DAOs can also through through this onboarding and delegation and coordination of work, they can also upskill uh, other contributors uh, if, if, if there's a shortage of, uh, of, of talent in, in, in that specific um, industry. And um, yeah, that data is issued in the form of credentials. And because there's many, many other protocols and 
we actually see that, um, as I mentioned, there's abundance of data in Web3 regarding uh, personal identities compared to Web2, where you can, some data you can get through APIs, maybe from GitHub, but uh, you cannot uh, generally get data from employers about performance because employers have, again, same problem, performance have zero incentives to share this data. And for DAO, this is, this is not their data, this is data of the contributor and um, DAOs are incentivized in, in using these tools because they actually, at the end of the day, they get their work done faster and, and, and better quality. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. To step to speed with future episodes or to catch up on ones you may have missed, make sure to check out the SSI Orbit podcast on your favorite podcast platform and make sure you subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, or wish to see someone in particular on a future episode, you can find me by searching Metzger Glowed on LinkedIn or Twitter. Feel free to reach out to me directly and I'll get back to you. See you all next time. Thank you.